We ended up becoming members of a Southern Baptist church for a long time. Knew yeah. it wasn't a great fit theologically, but like right. weren't wasn't that worried about it. Right. Because they were good people. You know. Oh, such you're already a breath of fresh air. You're talking my language here. What's up, Pastor With No Answers listeners? This is Pastor Joey, the Pastor With No Answers, and I am trying not to always revert to the hype youth pastor vibe on the intro of these episodes. See, typically I'd say, yo, what's up, Pastor With No Answers? Bam! Yo! Hope everything's going well. Good to be back in your earbuds. You know, I guess I'm getting a little too old for that. I guess I'm getting... I'll revert back to it every now and then just for memories. I'm working on it, though. (laughs) It's just been my go-to for so long. For so long. It's just been my go-to. Hey, do people actually do this stuff? Like, it amazes me. I got another email. You guys have gotten them before. My father got in an accident. Mom's dead. My dad basically called before he died said there's nine million dollars in a fixed suspense account and the wording is wrong the word choice is wrong the grammar is wrong everything's mixed up and everything's messed up and yet they say i want to make a transfer so i can invest this money like if people are still sending those sorts of things is it like working do people actually do that like they would stop if it never works. So that means some people respond and say, sure, I would like to help you out. Then they like whisper to their spouse and say, hey, my gosh, you gotta look at this. Is that how it plays out? Uh, Man, if it does, then I'm gonna just take a a stab at this. Hey guys, Pastor With No Answers, Joey Svensson, this podcast is no longer free. I've got a Venmo account. It is in the show notes. Some of you have sent a little bit of money my way voluntarily, but it's not voluntarily anymore. If you're going to listen to this episode, you send $2 now or pish the stop button. All right. Let's see that money roll in. If that's how it works, if people are that, gosh, dang, gullible. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Hey, well. I do hope you are all doing well, and my patrons, thank you so much. It's been a fun week interacting and hanging with you guys. Drop some new content that will reach the Pastor With No Answers main feed in the next month or so, but you guys have gotten it on the Pastor With No Answers Raptured podcast. All the content that I record goes straight to that feed. You don't have to wait for it. And thank you. Once again, this month we purchased an oven or or a stove. Is there a difference between an oven and a stove? I think there is. I don't... Yeah. I think... Anyway, we purchased one for a woman in a developing country, and she now is able to cook in a very safe way for her and her kids, because typically they cook over an open fire and that's not healthy for their lungs. Nah, I mean. All right, well, love you guys. Enjoy this episode. Have, have I, I feel like Buddy the Elf. I think I've said I love you guys maybe a few times already. I do, though. I don't really know who you are. I know who a lot of you are, but I still, I think I, I think I love you. I think that sounds like someone who's trying to be romantic with that special someone. I, I think I love you. I think think I love you. So today we have Abby Norman. I'm telling you, man, I just saw a few tweets from this woman and I was like, man, my kind of person, kindred spirits. 
I love having those sorts of folks on this show. I hope you enjoy her as well. But before that is Jack, me, and Ellen talking about deconstruction and the possibility. Are we on the brink of another reformation? Is progressive theology pointing towards that? Is that the beginning of a reformation? You know, sometimes your navigation looks like uh, trusting the current, just kind of going with it. But I mean, I am the least, I'm the last person you should ask about whether you're good at navigating conversations (laughs) since I'm barely capable of holding one. And Jack and Ellen, I think y'all, there's a chance that you guys are the the favorite co-hosts. The only reason why I say that is because y'all... I think maybe outside of Chip Judd, you guys are the only ones that people have mentioned by name. Like, I I think Ellen's going to have to be the favorite, and then Jack maybe the second favorite. And Ellen, I want to tell you oh. real quick, to, Jack. Are you look upset? No, I was just going to say. But listen, <laughs> did you ask which Jack Hoy? Oh, well, your dad hasn't been on here in a while, so yeah. But that's a good point. Good, that's a good point. But Ellen, I want to. Uh, and you know this behind the scenes, and nothing, nothing anti-Jack here, but I think people think that you're like the token female, and I've tried tons of times to no avail to get two women on here to talk to one dumbass, ball-headed pastor, and mm. it never works out, mm. except the one time that you and Priscilla hung out with me. So it's like, I don't... You know, people have the token guy of color, the token woman, and I've tried to get two women on here, so I'm better and what more it, woke. What, that what do you think that says about it you? It just though, means Joe? that I'm really cool, but, and but but they but they refuse to be on your podcast. No, 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 it just didn't work out. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, I I I once had, uh, you know, I, I've had girls that I, I wanted to, you know together with and it just kept not working yeah. out um super weird yeah super weird yeah. things just kept coming up yeah. and exactly. uh i don't know it seems like a similar situation yeah, ex- maybe uh, exactly like it wasn't them turning you down it just didn't the schedules <laughs> didn't line up things just kept happening and uh, uh yeah. you know at, at one point did i call and the girl's mom answered and said she wasn't here but i could clearly hear her in the background that happened but you know <laughs> I'm not sure if I've ever really explored this word with you guys. I think let me let me see if I can do some guesswork. If I ask Jack what deconstruction in your life looks like, I kind of think that you my guess would be that it doesn't really apply that you haven't necessarily deconstructed anything, but I could be wrong. And Ellen, I think what people call deconstruction sounds like you're kind of in the middle of that process. You guys right. correct yeah. me if I'm wrong because I'm about to get deconstruction up in here. Jack, have you ever de- deconstructed? Does that word apply to you? Do you own that label? I hate the label, but um, I know what it means and I know that I have. What I would say is I I have probably done some mental deconstruction, um, but 
I don't know that I've, in other words, like, all right, let me look at this thing. Let me start from the very beginning and see whether I need to go th- through this whole process. Um, I've done that, but I don't think that 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 term probably applies to me in any significant way that I have ended up walking out, if that makes sense. Well, there's two. It, it's really funny because there's y'all do know there's like a, a plethora of articles coming out like evangelicals have heard about deconstruction. And so it's a new thing that they're talking about. Pastors are preaching about people are writing about it. And so I read something recently. I wish I could remember what it was, but they said some people are like. Christian hip hop Lecrae, and they deconstruct and they still remain Christian, while others deconstruct all the way out of Christianity. So there, you just deconstruction doesn't mean you're not a Christian, Jack. I love how there are people who are just discovering that this is a thing. Isn't that, that crazy? Right. Isn't it crazy? <laughs> and they're like warning people: don't you go deconstructing now? Don't you do it? So, Ellen, what's what's is there like a a big thing right now that you're thinking through? I know for me, it was kind of like one thing at a time. Yeah, I think, um, I think currently the biggest thing for me is, um, I think gender issues like gender identity and sexual preference kind of, uh, identification stuff that to me has been a really big thing to work through. Um, because, thinking through that stuff makes God bigger and more gracious to me. And I'm, and throughout this process of, you know, whether it's figuring out what I feel about the Bible, like inerrancy and stuff like that. It's like what I keep landing on, even though to Christians, it might feel like I'm deconstructing away from my faith. It's actually making me seek God more because um, he's bigger than I've had him in my mind my whole life. And and what is interesting is I know what you're talking about and I know how it even feels to process, whoa, God is bigger. There are some times when I process God is bigger and I feel like I'm having heretical thoughts because God is bigger. Yeah. I'm like, so thinking God is bigger <laughs> is like, off limits to some people. Now, God can't be that big. Yeah, no, that's heretical thoughts is exactly why deconstruction is confusing and hard because I had the last, just the last few months, I've been kind of thinking, I I don't, I really don't know how I feel about the Bible. Yeah. <gasps> And that is so scary because um, I feel like I, I'm lose like I'm losing my safety. I'm losing oh, my faith. So I'm, what if I lose my salvation? So scary. And um, and when I catch myself having those thoughts, I t- I tell myself that no, I'm actually seeking seeking Christ for myself instead of just. Um, operating off of what I've been told from a very patriarchal broken system. So yeah, it's funny to say, well, so, so I'll say that actually what I was saying, maybe realize there is one thing that I've, you know, um, deconstructed or just kind of, I don't know, kind of walked away from a little bit in my own life. And that would be, um, you know, the, uh, 
the way that I kind of revisited, reconsidered uh, Reformed theology. Yeah. I used to be very, I mean, I was never like super Reformed just because I knew a lot of super Reformed guys in college and they're all pricks um, and uh, never wanted to be like that. But like, there was still so much about the theology that made sense to me, that was attractive to me. That And then one day I kind of realized um, that the reason I, re- the reason I loved the God of reformed theology was because he looked like me. Yeah. Um, he, you're a he ruthless bastard, man. Way- you want to choose people What's and that? send them to hell. You're ruthless. <laughs> you're ruthless. Well, but, but like, but really he, he would, he used power the way I would use power. Like, how would he go about doing things? That's about how I would do them. And so it's like, I realized that, and that, that is not a blanket condemnation of reformed theology, but it's like, in the same way, it's like, there are, there are many things that for, for some people will bring out the worst parts of them and they need to stay away, stay away from it. There are the things that will, the same thing can bring out some of the best parts of another person. And for me, I realized that like reformed theology brought out some of the worst tendencies in myself yeah. in terms of how I would, how I would behave, how I would view people. Um, and, and it's like, oh yeah, right. So in other words, that is the definition of like what an idol is, is I made, I have found a God in my own image who reaffirms the things about me that I want him to affirm, who never challenges me in anything that I think. Um, and, and that was honestly made it just so easy to just kind of step away from that. Um, but you know, I think that like with deconstruction, I think people kind of make two, um, kind of two mistakes, not just two, but like there are two tendencies that people have. One is the thing that you mentioned, Joey, which is deconstruction is always bad and you should never do it because questioning your faith is always wrong. And I think that's wrong. That's just not accurate. Um, there, you know, if your faith can't deal with being revisited, then you don't really believe it. Um, and it's not something that's going to keep you anyway. And you're eventually going to walk away from it because it's not enough. But on the other side is when people deconstruct, the other mistake is everything that I think or every conclusion I have during my deconstruction is right. Because I'm going through this and they just kind of like let everything that comes in their minds like, oh, this must be right. Oh, this must be right. Oh, this must be right. And they never actually take the time to question. Like they're doing so much questioning of what they thought that they never question anything new that's coming into their head. And so they end up with the exact same kind of faith that they had. It just looks different, but in terms of what it like, how it actually lives in them, it's the same because it's not really in there. And I see, I see that happen with a lot of people where they they're excited about all the questioning they're doing and they're asking great questions, but they're never stopping to examine the things that they're, they're doing. And I think one of the telltale signs of that is actually the opposite Ellen of what you said, which is when they start getting nervous about something, they find a way to, to push it aside rather than just sitting in the mm-hmm. discomfort. And like, if you're actually going to deconstruct something in a way that is going to be meaningful and last, you have to be willing to sit in tension and discomfort for years. Because if you try to resolve it quickly, you're just going to end up with answers that are easy and you have the same problem you had before. Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking last night with, with a friend who's sort of in the same spot and we were talking about how exciting and scary it is. Um, to know that for the rest of our lives, we're going to be do we're going to be kind of undoing because that's what we're doing is we're undoing all the crap from our very religious childhood. 
So for me, it's not, there's, it's twofold. It's like one, I'm undoing a bunch of harm. And two, I'm seeking Christ in a new and clear way that is not attached to a bunch of predisposed stuff. I mean, you know, and here's what's weird though, is it seems like you can use the same theology that we were taught to support what you just said. Like how many times have we read? It's not about the letter of the law, but it's about the spirit. And we did not allow that to free us from legalism. We just read it and we're like, man, that sounds awesome. But I don't know how to live that out practically. It seems like you're closer than ever to living not by the letter of the law, but by seeking the Spirit. Seems like it. I mean, it seems like that. That's what I mean. That gives me the best joyous feeling in my heart to to feel that way. Yeah. And that's what I'm seeking. It's like the things that give me peace and joy things that are not based out of fear because everything that I have been taught growing up um, really comes back to fear. Yeah. All the sin stuff, all the doubt stuff, all the sexual stuff, everything is fear-based. I don't think that the God that I believe in operates out of fear, like using fear as power. I don't believe that. And so I catch myself when I when I'm believing something like oh I can't I shouldn't do this because of this I I I think why 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 was I taught that why do I believe that I should not do this is it because I'm af- afraid and if it, if that's so I want to unpack all that I need to get rid of that I don't want to operate out of fear right and and in the meantime and this is this is this was like a safety net when I was going through deconstruction I was like okay. If I'm heading in a wrong direction, I've at least the my fear-based salvation set up as far as like praying the prayer, believing the right thing. I've done that. And if what I was taught was true about grace and God never leaving or, for, or forsaking us, I'm good there too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you got nothing to lose by deconstructing. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. Like it's like, I think it could be a beautiful process. Jack, I'm curious, what do you th- like... And I wouldn't be offended at all. Would you put me in the category of because I I am fairly impressionable and I have I have changed a lot. Now I I will also tell people that I struggled with the concept of hell for the vast majority of my life, and so it's only been recent in which I have doubted that sort of thing. But do you see me as just kind of someone that doesn't push up against my doubts? No, I don't think so. You are one of the most curious people that I know. And um, and so I think one of the things that your curiosity leads you to do is just, you know, uh, so, so, so when there's a new idea to explore, some people might be like, mm, don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to explore that idea little by little. It makes me a little bit nervous. You are more like a new idea. I want all of it right away, please. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> and, and I like that because, it, you know, you're, you are, you know, uh, you are not interested in pushing back per se on a new idea, except insofar as you have questions about yeah. it because you're curious. 
And so I, what I would say is I think that um, you, you engage with your questions and doubts in a really, really open and curious way. Um, and, but then I think you also are in this constant state of examining what you've accepted or rejected. And so I think it's just a constant kind of a, a cycle. And you know, you can you always have. bash me on this podcast, right? You know, you can. I okay. do. Okay. All right. So here's a crazy question that I was thinking before even talking about this with you guys. And I, why do I do this? I always want to guess this is a problem in our marriage too, because I won't bring something up with Priscilla because I think that I know how she'll respond. She's just like, treat me like an adult. Just tell me and let me respond how I want to. And she's right. But I think Ellen, you would probably be like, yeah, I could see this. That's probably right. Where I think Jack may have some more reservations. Do you think that it is possible that we are in the middle of another reformation in which God is putting into the church a deeper truth of a more universal salvation, a more inclusive approach to people and sexualities and all of that, because just like any other Reformation, people that are not even close to considering that stuff, we see them as the bad guys, the heretics, the rebels, Jack, is it possible that God is bringing Christianity into a new season, revealing to his people? Because you you have to admit that there's scriptures that, like, it seems like Paul believed in a universal salvation. So it's not like it's just completely out of nowhere, like on a, it, you can actually use the Bible and make a case for that. Do you think that's possible? that we're heading into a different age of the church where it's just, it's purely good news. It's absolutely good. Good, good, good. Jesus won. Everybody's okay. No. Because I think (laughs) the place where that would happen is in the West where the church is dying. It's not happening in the global South. It's not happening in the Asian churches. So it might happen here, but that's irrelevant because no one cares. Um, I, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I had a conversation with, uh, you know, one of the other guys on staff about, um, this recently. And so we were talking and he kind of asked me, he said, you know, Hey, you know, every, it seems like every 500 years, there's a really big event in, you know, church history. And it feels like, like it's about time for one of those now. So I give a sense for what that might be. And kind of my thing was like, uh, not really, but it's not going to happen here. Um, you know, it's like the, the center of gravity for Christianity isn't here anymore. And, uh, and so, you know, I, in, in terms of like just the American church, do I think that universalism um, and, you know, uh, views about um, sexuality or gender, do I think that they're going to continue to be, to move in a progressive direction? I do. I do think there's going to be a significant I hate the word backlash because that implies a lot of aggression. I do think there's going to be a significant, I'll use it, backlash um, in the next few years. Um, But I also think, again, long-term, I don't think it matters. Uh, I think what matters is what is happening in in, uh, the global South, um, in Asia. I think the, you know, one of the reasons it's hard to know is the the church in China is going to be enormously significant, but it's just, it's very obviously hard to know much about the church um, 
in that area. And so anyway, um, I do think you'll see that happen more in, in America, but I don't think it matters. So I don't know if you know anything about me. It's interesting because a lot of times I'll have like, uh, t- well, first of all, I have tons of reoccurring guests on, on right? the show, but then there's times where I want to bring on a guest to talk about something very specific. And so I do some research. It's funny. One time I was looking for pastors that don't believe in demons and Tony Jones popped up and and we're laughing about it to this day. He's like, how is my name? Like, it's true, but he's like, how did my name pop up about that? But with you, it's interesting because I wanted to have you on here just because it seemed like you were a fun likable, interesting person to talk to. Like, Thanks. yeah. Now I know you also have a book coming out, so we'll I definitely, do. we'll definitely get into that, but I don't spend too much. My wife is always mad at me for not getting a bunch of background information on people, but oh, typically, yeah, well, no, I want that with you though. I want okay. that with you. Like what, where'd you come from? Where's, yeah, I was, I was raised in Toledo, Ohio. I started in a very evangelical, well, an evangelical church, but I got to say, like, maybe evangelical, like, light. Like, it's so funny, right? Like, you said light, evangelical yeah. light, gotcha. Not fundamentalist. Right. Like, a lot of this sort of, like, I think about, like, because I was in youth group from, like, 1997 to 2002. Yeah. And so I think about, like, that was, like, you know, the in the middle of that, I kissed dating goodbye came out. So, <laughs> so like, we... We, but we didn't read it as a group, right? you know, and like, it was fine. And, and it was sort of like purity culture was there, but not too heavy. Right. You know? And so it's funny, like, and like, probably homosexuality was a sin, but we didn't like harp on it. Right. And like, nobody said women couldn't do anything, but there were no women pastors. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, and so I grew up like that, and in in a lot of ways, in a very very healthy church, um, super like healthy family. Yeah. Um, people who were raised by people who are serious about the gospel. Right. Moved to Atlanta to church plant because me and my husband felt like God told us to. Just right. so that church plant never started, we ended up becoming members of a Southern Baptist church for a long time knew yeah. it wasn't a great fit theologically, but like, right. weren't, wasn't that worried about it right? because they were good people, you oh, know, such you're already a breath of fresh air you're talking my language here. Like, I, I I'm, I'm a pastor in what most people would call an evangelical church. And you know what? I just really, and sorry for cutting you off. I want to hear more of your story, no, no, no. Sure. but I'm pretty sure what originally interested me in you is I'm, and, and I'm, it's you can make fun of me if this is not true because I tried to find your tweet, this original tweet that I saw a long time ago, and I couldn't find it. But you had tweeted something about being a pastor of more conservatively minded thinkers. Oh, as, I am as a progressive thinker, and I was like, That's my soul sister. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yeah, my it life. Was, oh, yeah, that, that went my life. Well, basically, I got mad. 
uh, about people being like, if your church doesn't blah, 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 then you need to blah, blah, blah. If you're a pastor, you should definitely. And I'm like, yo, yeah, let me do my job. Right. Like it's, it's yeah. So yes, I am. Cause I'm a Methodist. Yeah. And so I am. And the Methodism is a big tent. Like that's so true. I would say the church that I pastor currently could be described as evangelical. I think that's what they are even though I'm not quite that. Right. Um, right. Me and the staff parish relations committee person are the only two people in the church that I know for sure did not vote for Donald Trump. Gotcha. And See, well, I, I, my, our church is at least more diverse than that. So I, I, I'm a campus pastor of Seacoast okay. Church, big old mega church, one, one of the okay. earlier ones. And so we definitely have more diversity than that. We also, we do have women pastors. We gave people of color the stage during all of the police brutality mm-hmm. and the ensuing riots and, and get a lot of people pissed off. Oh, Seacoast went political just because we're giving someone an opportunity to speak on it. So right. we have a lot, we have, we, we're, we're pretty diverse. That is crazy. And I, I'm assuming that you just like politically, you, you yeah. are in a different so, oh, planet. So we, okay. Because I live on the East side yeah. of Atlanta, yeah. um, uh, which is historically been black. And then it was where the lesbians hung out. Yeah. And now it's like where the only place families can afford to live. And so, um, Yeah, but I'm, I mean, like, took my kid, my very small children at the time, they were like in kindergarten and second grade to the Women's March in Atlanta. Right. Like, uh, went door knocking for Stacey Abrams. Yeah. Um, Like, yeah, um, I, I, you know, am am shocked that I'm liking what Biden is doing. (laughs) <laughs> um, I, yeah, I'm real, I'm real liberal. And so the Methodist Methodism is just like a really, really big tent. Yeah. And so I am, yeah, the pastor of a church that is just full of people who've been in, in that church for generations right. and they are so, yeah, they're very conservative. And, and so I pastor in Palmetto, which is like 45 minutes South. And so I was talking, I just, this past Sunday, um, I was preaching about, what was like, oh, I was preaching about Peter, like, uh, opening everything to the Gentiles Yeah. and they are not affirming. Like, it's so funny. It's like, as soon as the, as soon as the Methodists get the divorce, that's a long time coming, right. I'm not going to be able to pastor there anymore because right. we're going to go our separate ways, which right. is fine. Right. And we know that. And I've even said that out loud. Right. Like, cause I'm like, this is not happening, but it was funny. We were, so I was talking about that and I was talking about how, like, it must've been really hard for the Jews to like open up and, and like being a part of the family of God is like being brothers and sisters, which means so often you're like, you are wrong. Right. Okay. I'm going to eat dinner with you. Right. Like, that's what we're doing. And right. so, um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I just, do you have your own podcast by the way? I need to uh, tune in if you do. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm and, I'm, and by the way, it. I'm not just saying this. Like, I, I'm not someone to just kind of uh, like, I, I'm not talking shit when I keep saying how much of a breath of fresh air. Like, it's 
it's it's what I think about the most, honestly, is when mm-hmm. I see progressively minded Christians create their own religion that is just as you're in or you're out. And I just finished reading Faith uh, After Doubt by Brian McLaren, and I love the fact that he so. He he separated the the progress of deconstruction into into four different levels, and he he totally mm-hmm. says it's arbitrary. But here's just where I'm going. Right. And near the end of the book, I love that he said that when people he said some people will read this book and see themselves in the fourth category, which is where everything was leveled, but you're back on track with love and seeing what needs to be seen and following mm-hmm. God with with trust. And some of you will assume that that is the highest level of where you've kind of arrived. And he literally said, I, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think he said it disgusts him. And I was kind of surprised because I, I you know, listened to Brian McLaren. He is very, very hardcore with what he believes. But I love the fact that he does not see himself as above everyone. And that's, you know, we on this podcast, I, we have so many progressive thinkers and I also feel like my podcast is almost like a gateway drug for people that are still in evangelicalism. And I constantly, it sounds like a broken record, but I always want to restate just because I'm seeing this way. It doesn't, I, I don't think that I'm right about all of this. It's just, it's just where I am. Cause right. I, cause I hate sounding sometimes like I've deconstructed and I, you know, progressive, that makes it sound like you're further down the right, road. Like you're involved. I, right. And I don't feel that way. Well, I feel like there's very conservative thinkers that are smart as hell, know the Bible more than me. And we're just in different places. Yeah. We have come to different conclusions. Right. And so, and that's okay. And if right. you look at the Bible, like Paul and Barnabas did that, like they were like, you know what? This is the point where we split up. Right. And when we left our Southern Baptist church, um, which was a lot about me and my call and that they couldn't affirm it. Right. And, and that they wouldn't tell me to my face that they couldn't affirm it. You know? It was <laughs> very much like, Surprise. let's get coffee. Oh, we're praying about that. Right. Uh, I was like, well, are, are people allowed to like, are women allowed to preach here? And they were like, well, eventually a woman will preach. And I'm like, okay, so you quoted my blog four times. So can I have a turn? No. And so, right. So, so I, there was some baggage there that way. By the way, is your husband in your room right now? Cause I'm uncomfortable if he's not, is he listening and hearing (laughs) everything you're saying? Right. No, like it really was like that. And so, um, in fact, the first time I rode in a car with my Methodist pastor, I cried. Yeah. And he was like, why are you crying? And I was like, because this is normal and it's okay. Right. He was like, Oh honey. Right. So anyway, um, yeah, but, but I will say this is that like we told our Bible study, we had, we had been meeting, we, a Bible study from that church had been meeting in our home. I'd been feeding them dinner for like six years Yeah. and everybody cried. We cried, they cried. And then the last Sunday that we were there, the, had pastor was like, it is time for the Normans to leave and we're going to pray them out well. And we're so grateful for everything they've done here. Wow. And so not a lot of people get that. And like, yeah, I still do have some like weird, I'm not even, I'm not mad. 
about what happened anymore. I mean, I think I have a right to be, but I'm not. Right. And I, cause I'm like, oh, they were very wrong. Right. And I think they were doing the best they can. And, right. and, and they were wrong. Right. And you can say both things because right. I, I was wrong and I was doing the best I could and I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how, how do, well, I don't want to judge other people, but how could I ever forget that I used to, I used to be, I used to lean way heavy against women being pastors mm-hmm. and I didn't like the fact that I had to believe that, but I was convinced that's what the Bible was saying. And right. I think that we are so quick as Christians to jump on. And I, and I do believe there's some people that are trying to be controlling and have ill motives, but there are some people that believe certain things and they wish that they didn't have to, but they do. And, and, Priscilla and I, my, my wife and I, we 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 did the whole submit to your husband, and neither one of us really liked it. And but yeah. we thought that's what what yes. we had to work on and figure it out. And yes. and now it's like we're in a beautiful season of you know what you're smart and I'm smart. You're smart sometimes. I'm smart sometimes. You're gonna call the shots sometimes. I'm gonna we're, we're gonna lean on each other and work right. as a freaking team for crying out loud. But right. we used to think that was wrong. Like yes. we thought that e- that sort of egalitarianism, if I said that right, was wrong. Was right. Not right. So yeah, I I mean I married my husband when I was like twenty one and we absolutely would have I would if they would have said obey him, I would have said it. Right. And right. And it's like, but actually, just like the way that we are, I mean, naturally, like he's a nine on the Enneagram. Me and too. so like, he doesn't want to make a bunch of decisions. Mm-hmm. And I actually do care. Right. And so right. it's like, why am I submitting to him when it's like arbitra- <laughs> arbitrary to him? And it like matters deeply to right. me, like, oh my gosh, just do what you want. Right. And so, yeah, but like the idea that like, and also complementarianism like that sets up the metaphor of marriage as like someone is going to lose. Right. Someone's going to be the loser. Yeah. But but what if you didn't have to fight like that? Right. What if you could fight like how how does everybody get what they need and want from this circumstance? Right. Yeah. And yeah. and you can do that. Like you don't you there are so many more ways and options. Yeah. 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 But I and I also just think well, and I I actually in the book, so my book is about lament and I, a whole chapter is about how lament invites us to be wrong. Mm-hmm. You, we could be wrong well. And like, I think that a mark of Christianity should be people changing their mind. Yeah. And it's not, which is like a bummer, but it should be because it's like, I, and I really, really believe that the, the people that I know who can do that well and be wrong well and um, think through those things and like be in relationship with people who are, who think differently than them um, are it's because they are so convinced about how deeply loved I am and how deeply loved you are. Right. Right. And so the rest of it, we can figure out now if like, I can't really be in a relationship with people who like don't support my call. And so like, if you're gay and you like, I'm not asking you to be in a relationship with people who are going to try to take you to coffee once a month to talk you out of your sexuality. Like if you're black, like 
you know, you got to make your own choices. And so like, if someone is hurting you, then absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What would you say is, and, and you, I don't know if you would have a specific detailed answer to this or if it's just, uh, obvious, but what would you say your calling is? You've said that a couple of times. Oh, well, I, huh, that's a good question. Um, I'm called to preach. I believe I'm called to some kind of clergy. I'm in the midst of the Methodist ordination process, yeah, which takes forever. Yeah. Um, I really just believe I'm called to tell the truth about yep. things. Yep. Um, and my calling, because of where I was and how I grew up, it took me a long, a really long time to figure out that, like, I was called to preach and that I'm really good at it. Right. Um, which is crazy because I think about like I was the president of the speech team in high school and college. I was right. literally coming home with talking trophies. I like loved <laughs> God so much. Anytime there was an opportunity to pray in public, I wanted to do that. You would, if I were a man, if I were a boy, a hundred percent, somebody would have pulled me aside and been like, Hey, have you ever thought about pastoring? Right. Right. But it, it just was like, and the other thing is that even you didn't the, have a penis, Abby. You did not have one of those. And <laughs> the lady pastors, the few lady pastors that I saw, um, were like very thoughtful and reserved. Right. They didn't right. raise their voice. And that's so how they need to be, right? Right. No, and it is. That's how they got along. Now I understand that. Right. But I was like, well, I'm not that kind of lady, right. so that's not gonna work. Right. And so yeah, so so, um, yeah, I definitely think my call is to serve in the church. Like I have such a good, if you wait all of my experiences with the church, I have so many more good experiences than I do bad. Yeah. And I, I know that that might be rare these right. days, Right. but like, I love the church. And I love the world and I love, I love what the church could offer the world if they weren't so free and scared. Right. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, I, I feel like I am very, so I, my listeners, they, they know all this, but I was a part of a podcast called Bad Christian. And I think that it started off as something really good. We actually all love the church and also we weren't afraid to be a part of calling it out mm -hmm. and and being very open and honest. And we were also very vulgar. So people are like, ooh, a vul now now there's all sorts of Christian vulgar podcasts. But at, back in the day, right, there wasn't. Yes, yes. <laughs> so as time went on, it started to turn more of a churches are all the same, pastors are all the same, it's all shit, get rid of it all. And it's so interesting because I feel like I, I I thought being a part of Bad Christian was something very unique and specific and needed. And now I feel like I'm in a position where I feel more specific in my role because until the church that I work for, until they boot me out, I feel like I'm in the best possible position of, of thinking differently. But if they're willing to have me, and they are, and they mm -hmm. know how I believe, that's that's what it's all about. Like, I mean, I can't tell you the number of people that I have talked to 
who feel very similar than you know as I do in in beliefs and they're like oh that's cool that's awesome and they feel like they have more sense of belonging because there's more people like them also I can't tell you the number of people that think very conservatively in conversations with me and or my wife has just caused them to think a little bit. And I, you know, I asked people, I was like, well, first of all, I, I realize that not everybody's supposed to do that. Uh, like, I totally get it. Not everybody's supposed to do that. Some people can't because they've been uh, abused as, as a gay person, for instance. But if if people are able to, like, we just need to wrap our mind around what if everybody that thought differently just peaced out? Like, how would we learn from each other? How how would we be unified? And, and we wouldn't. We just absolutely couldn't. That's why I really think very highly of, I actually released an episode two episodes ago of a, of a friend of mine who is a gay man, and he worships with most people that are unaffirming and he loves his church and he understands why they feel that way because he felt that way before. (laughs) Yeah. But I also, I just, am like, yeah. And, and if that's your calling, you should do it. And if it's not go right. Like the, the yoke is light. The burden is easy. And so if it's crushing you, Oh my gosh, get out, you know? And oftentimes it's different at different stages. Like there was a long time when the Southern Baptist church was a great like that particular one was really good and it yeah. was good for me. And then it became really, really painful Yeah. every single time I right. showed up and there was a new dude preaching right. and that's when it was time to go. Right. And that's okay. Right. And also like, I think that the church is a little bit obsessed. Well, I think we're afraid of doing it wrong. And so if someone is doing it very differently than us, then that freaks us out. Because right. we're like, wait, it's not like that. No, we're not supposed to do it. It's like, no, you're not supposed right. to do it like that. Yep. Like, if that's working for them, go ahead. Right. But like, if you, if God is calling you to something new, then go do that. And, right. And like the Holy Spirit can do both things. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So you can talk to God like that. Surprising power of lament to save your faith. Usually a book like that was birthed out of an experience. Like, is there a journey that this book birthed out of? Um, kind of yeah. and kind of not. So I I come from this family that um my dad had was a lawyer, he was a criminal defense attorney, but he had like uh I mean like so so like we knew a lot of people were like homeless and yeah. Um, you know, like criminal defense attorneys, they generally are hanging out with people who are down on their luck. And so we hung out with all those people. Like you took a, you know, like it was very normal to like have dinner with people who were doing this or that or the other thing. And, and we're just like people. And so my parents were so good at like loving people, you know, and like my dad was like the guy who like brought all the weirdos to church and and, you know, like, and I, and we went to like a very upper class suburban church. And so people were like, that is, that's great. Right. Oh, you know, they were like, okay. <laughs> and so, but it, that allowed this space for me and my sisters to like really deeply believe that we were going to be loved no matter what we did or what we said. Yeah. Because like, you know, if your dad's like friend is like you know, like the town drunk, like you are pretty sure that like nothing you can do is going to shock him that much. Right. And so, um, 
so that's like where I was growing up, but I was in this suburban church that was very, um, I'm fine. We're fine. Everybody's fine. Everybody's great. Why wouldn't we be fine? Blessed and highly favored. Yes, (laughs) always. And just like, and so in the midst of that, I got really sick as a teenager. Um, I developed fibromyalgia in 1997 when they literally did not know what it was. Gotcha. Okay. And I was 13 and it was like being marketed sort of as like a um, middle-aged woman's disease. So it was like not on the radio, right? Right. Not, not just like, and so I looked fine and I would act fine, but I was not fine. And then I would miss like two weeks of school in a row or whatever. And so from 1996 until 2001, me and my mom went to like doctor after doctor after doctor and we were trying to figure out what was wrong. Five years. Yeah. So, wow. and it would like be better and worse. So I would like, like if I was having a good year, I would only miss like one day of school a week, Right. which now I'm like, oh, that's a lot. Right. But like bad, bad years, you know, my junior year, I dropped down to one class. I was only taking algebra two. And like the only reason that I continued to go to high school was because if I dropped out, then I wasn't allowed to be on the speech team. And that was the only thing I was good at. Yeah. And so, uh, and my coach was like, man, God bless her. It was just like looking the other way as far as the fact that I was like missing school every day because she knew it was saving me anyway. And so while that was happening, my church was experiencing like a, like healing revival. And so we were like going to healing services and I was watching everybody else get healed. And I was like going up to the front and believing that God was going to heal me. And they were legit healings. Like you would, you would affirm that they were legit. Yeah. Yes. And then I wasn't getting healed. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, like I asked Jesus Christ into my heart at seven. And then I was like, got serious about it at 12. I've like been really into God for a long time. And I was like, so earnest about that belief. And I just like wanted to just be like a, like serve God so bad. And then like, God couldn't even heal me, mm-hmm. even though I knew God was capable of it. And right. so I was, um, and so in the midst of all of that, my mom looked at me one day and she said, Abby, are you mad at God? And I was like, oh my God, she knows. Mm-hmm. I'm in so much trouble. You're not allowed to be mad at God. Oh yeah. no. And I was like, I am. I'm mad at God. And she was like, me too. Yeah. And she just like grabbed me and we both just like wept. And she Gosh. was like, I'm so mad at God. Yeah. And that's allowed. That's a right. choice. And I, I think like for me, that sealed the deal on Christianity right there. Wow. And wow, that's a neat story for, for that to do that. That's awesome. And I just like, and then, so then I like hang out in these evangelical spaces and these like uh, mainline Christian spaces now. And like, I ended up uh, at a, after we were at the Southern Baptist church, I was like at this, um, which is still where my, my kids are like, they still go to youth group there, but it's like a, a progressive Methodist church in East Atlanta. And, um, <laughs> I 
I just have always talked to God like any kind of way. Right. God has always returned the favor. Like that's just how we talk to each other. And so I kind of like shocked people on accident, like during, like during prayer time, you know, like small group people would be like, how are you? And everyone would be like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And I would be like, I'm terrible. I hate my job. I want to die. Like just, right. and people are like, Oh, you know, <laughs> or like, um, I mean, there's just like a lot of grief about leaving the old church and going to the new church. And I like just sat in the pew and wept for months. Yeah. And, and I was like the only one crying in the church. And it was so funny because you think that no one notices or you think like, oh gosh, I mean, I just, I've, I'm very used to being written off as just like being too much. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, most people are just gonna write me off as too much, whatever, man. And then just the most timid, buttoned up lady you've ever met in your whole life texts you at 10 o'clock at night and is like, what do you do when you're mad at God? Yeah. And you're like, oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm not it. I'm not the only one. All right. Yeah. And so as I became a pastor and as I have been having more and more conversations in public about God, about how we relate to God, it like became very obvious that like most people don't do this. Right. Isn't that, cra- isn't that crazy that when when I have thought, or I, I don't know if I ever thought that it was not okay to be angry with God, but I know a lot of people who have thought that way or they do we don't slow down to think of what pathetic of a God that would be to have creation, to right. have thoughts and ways that far surpass his creation thoughts and ways, but he just won't stand for you being angry at him. That'd be a baby of a God. I right. Mean, it's just ridiculous. Right. And I think about like, um, so I had children who took forever to walk, but could talk like very, yeah. very early on. Yeah. And, um, the the funny thing about that is that you end up with toddlers who can communicate far past even their intellectual and emotional abilities. Right. Right. So they have fits for really the most hilarious reasons. <laughs> you know, like this one time I just my one of my daughters, like she saw like a funnel in the back of the car and she was like, Oh, hat. And I was like, Oh yeah, that looks like a hat. And she was like, birthday hat. And I was like, yeah, birthday hat. And then she was like, cake? And I was like, oh, no, honey, there's no cake. And she lost her mind. Yeah, She was like, excuse me, the cues say cake, you know? And as a mom, I was like, man, I kind of, that must be very confusing. And I can see why she would be really hurt about that. Right, right. Like, it, it can't happen. I can't materialize cake. But like, I get it. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're. That's that's a very juvenile thing to be upset about. Oh yeah, it's because they're juveniles. Because <laughs> she was like not even two years right, old. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, so if God can't, if God doesn't have the critical thinking to be like, wow, that's a very human thing to be upset. Oh yeah, that's what they are. <laughs> that's how I made them. I, I, right. I would not want to serve that kind of God. Oh my gosh. Right. Oh my right. Gosh. I'm like, if that's how it is, then I am out. Right. Right. But like that's very obviously not how it is, so we don't right. need to worry about it. Right, absolutely. So walk us through 
what would how would Abby answer this age old big question of what what do you think is the main purpose of of prayer and involve kind of your book's content into that yeah. question if you can. Well, I would say uh, that prayer changes. I do think that prayer can change God. Yeah, I do believe that. I think that the Bible makes that pretty clear. I love the metaphors about like sometimes God is like the judge who is just like, oh my gosh, if you stop knocking on my door, well, right. I will do whatever you want. Leave me right. alone. Um, That's a hard one for me to for me to get with. I want to believe that. <laughs> I like it. There's right. something about it that I really like. Um, I don't know. I'm obnoxious and persistent though. So maybe I'm like, see, I will be rewarded. Stop (laughs) telling me to stop talking. Uh, I will keep bringing this up. And so I like that. I, I do think it changes God, but I also think very much so it changes us. Yeah. It changes us. I think, um, personal prayer changes us. I think communal prayer deeply changes us. Uh, one of the things I talk about, so there are three sections of the book. The first one is sort of like you and God. Mm-hmm. The second one is like, okay, how does your little community, whatever that is, your friends, your church, whatever that looks like, how did you lament? And then the third part is like, and how can lament be used publicly as a prophetic act? Yeah. And so the second part, um, my friends and I, who have just like gone through some really heavy, really heavy stuff together, we have a shorthand that's like, Okay, like they'll be like, I can't, I can't, I can't do this one more day. I can't go through this one more day. Can't go through this divorce one more day. I can't um, look for a job one more day. And we'll just be like, okay, I'll hold it. I'm holding it. You don't have to. Yeah. So I'm going to hold it today. And I think that the church at its best does that. Yeah. Yep. Like really does that well. And is like, yes. You are hopeless today. Right. I'm going to hold that hope for you. And we, you can just go sit there and be hopeless, and that's okay. I'm going to sit right next to you. I'm going to hold the hope and let me know when you Gosh. can have it back. Yeah. That's, that's very I, – I, I had a mental health crisis in 2019, and we've talked about it tons on this podcast. And I, I, I was out of hope. And when people talked about hope – it was it sounded like white noise but my pastor asked me such a great question he said well would you have rathered us get on your level and be hopeless with you and i thought to myself wait a second y'all's hopefulness did mean something even though it didn't resonate and it didn't click and it was, felt annoying some days right right it was the yeah. right it was the right thing i don't know what i would have done if everybody just said yeah you're right you should kill yourself you know right. i mean yep it is that terrible. Right. Right. Check out. Go ahead. <laughs> but also we need to let people feel that too. It's right. like a both and, you right. know, like I, my youngest daughter, um, I was in latent labor, labor with her for a month. Right. Wow. So every day at five o'clock, I would start having contractions. Dang. I went, oh my gosh. I went to the hospital three times. And the third time I was like. I am not leaving until this baby's out of me. And <laughs> I like, I had like the very natural hippie birth right. situation. Like the people that birthed my babies now have their own birth center. I was like, okay, you got to break my water. And she was like, you know, we don't do that. And I was like, <laughs> what you're going to do is break my water. And she was like, 
okay, that's what I'm doing. But I say all that to say, you know, people would say really dumb things to me that whole last month. They'd be like, well, no one is pregnant forever. And you're like, oh my God, I'm going to be the first. Right. Right. And so like what I needed people to do was like, (laughs) be like, this is impossible and rub my back and feed me snacks. Like that's what I needed. I And, and my midwife was so good about that. And she was like, I see you like the couple of weeks before she was like, what you got to do is just like find something every single day that brings you joy. Yeah. Just one tiny thing. I don't care if it's like chocolate or a movie or a favorite song or somebody rubbing your feet, like just cling to that for just one second every day. Yeah. Yeah. And that is what I needed. I didn't need someone to say like, don't worry. You're not going to, I knew, I knew like theoretically that I wasn't going to be pregnant forever, but right. it felt like I literally might be the first. Right. right. <laughs> Eternal pregnancy. <laughs> oh gosh. Is, is that, is, is that the only time where, uh, where pro-life people would say you can get an abortion, <laughs> right. a permanent pregnancy? Oh my gosh. Oh, this has been awesome, Abby. I, I, uh, I'm just, I'm excited to know you. It's just, it's encouraging, honestly, to kind of, I, I mean, I don't, I don't know if this sounds very cheesy or churchy, but find someone else who, who I feel is living in similar tensions yeah. that, that I'm in, you know, because it's, I, I hate the fact that polarity has, has struck the church also. And it's like, you're either in our club or you're out and golly, I, I'm, I'm finding a, a brand new meaning of being persecuted for the sake of Christ. But now I really feel like persecution is saying, you know what? I'm not going to be on either one of these sides. I want to love and honor people as people. And sure, I'll speak up for what I believe is true, but I'm always going to offer people dignity. I'm ne- I, I never want to lose sight, lose sight of Father, forgive them for they know not what they've done. Like right. That's what I always want to be deeply embedded in, in my heart. And it's just so frustrating. It just seems like Christians are like, yeah, that was a long time ago. We don't do that anymore. It's... Oh. Yeah, it's messy. Like, it's so annoying that people are so people-y. Right, (laughs) people-y. Hey, can I, before we go, can I guess your Enneagram number? Sure. I'm going to say either a three or an eight. Uh Uh-uh. No, what is it? I am a two, but I have a really strong three wing. Two, really strong three. Okay, so I was was partially, partially. Very close. 